An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mark Moss Show where we talk about the decentralized revolution each and every week, the way the world's changing through the lens of politics and finance and technology, moving from a world of centralization to decentralization. And uh, man, there's so much going on in the world, so much that continues to prove this thesis is coming true. And we need to keep an eye on it. You know, I, uh, people always ask me, Mark, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? I'm like, it's happening. <laughs> It is app like it's happening now. We're watching it, and so I always want to remind you: it's a process, and not an event. A process and not an event. Now, um, a little story about that. Um, so I, I am still, but in one of my former lives, I was a, a full-time real estate investor, uh, buying uh, properties, fixing, flipping, but I was also buying dirt and building from the ground up, right? Um, and those projects would take four or five years, sometimes longer, right? Let's say, for example, that I heard uh, I was at, at a, town, a town hall meeting, and they said, hey, uh, you know, our five-year plan, um, this, this piece of land that's about 30 miles from town, uh, we're going to build a new football stadium there. And um, it's going to be, we're going to try and push every, all the growth of the town towards this football stadium. It's going to be amazing. We want to build entertainment and housing and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. The next morning I leave. And I go buy as much land as I can in that area, right? But I know that it's not going to be built for five years. So what am I doing? I need to make sure, like, is this project still on track? So I'm monitoring it. Have they got, you know, have they got the plans? Are they getting the permits? Have they secured the financing? Are they breaking ground? Have they started building, right? And so I'm monitoring the progress to make sure that thing is still happening. Now, if I find out, oh, no, uh, guess what? They found out they had nuclear waste on that, on that land they can no longer build anymore. Well, then, okay, the project's off. So we want to, th these are processes, not events. And so this is happening, and we see the daily signs to show us this is happening so we can act accordingly. Um, and so that's why I like to look at all of this news. Now, 
big news in the economy. Uh, I put out a, uh, I put out a, I think a story on Instagram. If you're not following me on Instagram or Twitter, you should. Uh, it's just one Mark Moss, just the number one Mark Moss. And I put out a story on Instagram, and I was like, uh, uh, tongue in cheek, obviously, but I'm like, all right, congratulations, hey, congratulations. Uh, the United States debt finally surpassed 31 trillion dollars for the first time. Uh, tongue in cheek, but that's a big number, 31 trillion dollars for the first time ever. It's not a uh, milestone to celebrate, uh, so I was being tongue in cheek. Now, not only not only have we passed thirty one trillion dollars, which is not a good milestone; it's a grim milestone. At the same time, as the debt is absolutely exploding, we have soaring interest rates. So that means not only do, are we getting more debt, but we have to pay more for the debt at the same time, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, we're seeing inflation higher than we've seen in 40 years. Interest rates are going up and the debt is growing as well. Now, we have a, we have this phenomenon. It's growing faster than it has in any time in history. I believe I believe it's gone up by 4 trillion since uh, Biden took office or within the last couple of years. I don't have the exact uh, number in front of me. Um, but what we do know is that um, we are spending more the interest on the debt is going up more, which means we have less money to put towards other things. And tax receipts are coming down. Hmm. So the amount of income coming in is going down, but our spending is going up. And the debt that we have is getting more expensive. It's not a good, <laughs> it's not a very good combo to have. As a matter of fact, we see that uh, Congress and the president have approved a combined $1.9 trillion in new borrowing. And President Biden has approved $4.9 trillion in new deficits since taking office. So $5 trillion in deficits. So what does that mean? That's the difference of the income and the expenses. So let's say that you make $100,000 a year, but you need $120,000 to live, so you're borrowing off of credit cards or whatever. So you have a $20,000 deficit. Well, we had a $5 trillion deficit. $5 trillion deficits. And of course, during that time, we need to continue to spend more and more money. Uh, we're sending, uh, you know, was it $12 billion was the latest deal going over to Ukraine um, at a time where we just we just have no money. But it's troubling because the debt has real, comp, real problems. So you might hear people say, oh, we owe it to ourselves, right? We owe it to ourselves. Uh, yeah, some of it, but who else do we owe it to? Well, we owe it to all the retirees whose pension funds are tied up in it. Yeah. We owe it to other countries like Japan whose their retirees are tied up in it as well. So uh, sure, right, we owe some to uh, ourselves, whatever. But ourselves are like me and my money that I'm planning to have upon retirement that could potentially go away. Uh, we can see that Medicare is only six years from insolvency. Six years from insolvency. What does that mean? Medicare having no more money. A lot of people depend on Medicare. When that goes broke, what happens? Social Security is insolvent in 12 years. Bummer for me. I've been paying into it for a long time. Looks like I got no money to retire on. So what's going to happen with that? Well, either the government goes bust and doesn't pay all these people the Social Security they owe them and all the Medicare. Either that happens or, more likely, they print a lot more money. A lot more. So uh, you, can, uh, you can chime in on what you think is more likely. Hit me up on social media, um, one Mark Moss, and let me know what you think. Of course, I'll tell you what I think. 
Why would a government go bankrupt when they can just print the money? Of course, the answer is they won't. So we have that big problem. The debt is get, getting bigger. Um, at the same time, we just saw um, the jobs openings. So the, the economy, remember, the, the Fed has two mandates, full employment and stable prices. We already know prices aren't stable. <laughs> They're nowhere near stable. As a matter of fact, as I was uh, talking about earlier, gas prices just broke their all-time record set in June. So uh, that's anything far from stable. As a matter of fact, they went up $1.20 in just 30 days. Certainly not stable. Um, so they're failing at that, obviously. But they can at least we have a low unemployment. Hey, we have low unemployment. Well, not really. If we dig into the data, it's not that bad. But it's even worse because this week we saw job openings plunged by more than 1.1 million in August. A 10% drop from what was reported in July and more than a million less than what was expected. That's the big thing. And so they set these expectations. They set these goals. Um, whenever like a publicly traded company says these are our sales or profit expectations or the government does, you're supposed to hit those. You want to beat them. If you, don't, if, you're not, if you don't meet those, that's a big deal. And that's exactly what happened here. Um, and so what does that mean? It means that um, there's a massive U.S. labor gap. It's beginning to close. All right. Um, so it's a big deal. Now, the numbers of hires rose slightly while total separations jumped by 182,000. Quits or those who left their jobs voluntarily rose by 100,000 for the month to 4.16 million. So 4 million people, over 4 million people quit or left their job. Now, we don't know why. We know at the end of last year, we saw a lot of people quitting their jobs, record amounts, as a matter of fact, of people quitting their jobs to um, trade options on Robinhood or trade cryptocurrencies. I can't imagine they're they're still doing that right now, um, but maybe they because as we saw in some of the uh, labor reports in July, people were taking multiple jobs, um, and so the growth that we saw in jobs wasn't real data. I mean, it was obviously real data, but it wasn't what it seemed. And so we saw it wasn't that more people were going to work; it's that people were taking more than one job, and so maybe they're going back to one job potentially. But these are the signs that show us, like. Uh, the Fed's the Fed's stuck. The Fed is going to have to do something. They said they're going to stick with it until it's done, but I'm not so sure. I think uh, I I am for one making the case that they won't be able to bring inflation back down to two percent. They will be forced to pivot before they get to that point. Maybe they get it to four or five percent at best, uh, but they're going to be forced to pivot. Uh, the jobs opening reports show that. The national debt shows that. The soaring deficit shows that. Um, as inflation continues to rage on, the, the government will have to spend more money to subsidize energy prices like they're already doing over in Europe. We'll see the deficit expand, and that uh, long-awaited pivot is coming. Now, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We talk about the decentralized revolution, and this is one of those things. We talk about money, uh, finance, politics, and technology, and through the politics and finance piece, the system we know it is coming to an end, showing the inevitability of this decentralized world we're talking about. Anyway, I got a lot more to cover when I come back about the pivot. I got uh, more about, oh, oh, yeah, some big stories. Actually, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to miss this. Don't go away. I'm going to be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in 
precious metals, and both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing right now before our very eyes. And one thing that I'm, uh, it's been scaring me and I've been talking about quite a bit, um, and it is scary. It's very scary. I'm sure you're scared about it uh, when I tell you what it is. Um, but, I'm, but I have hope, and I'm continuing to get more hope and be more encouraged. So what am I talking about? Well, over the last couple of years, we have seen this shift. The world has shifted hard to the left. Um, wokeism has uh, taken over everything. And it's part of my thesis of this peak centralization. So as we get to peak centralization, uh, it gets more control. Uh, 
and they're trying to control more and more and more and more, but the world is rejecting it, it's breaking apart, and so they're trying to squeeze and hold on even more as the world rejects it and breaks it apart. So a couple of things that we can see of this, um, and, and these are like reactions, but I mean, just this week we saw Hacinda uh, Hardin, the PM of New Zealand, went to the UN and uh, called for coordinated global censorship. She said that free speech is a weapon of war. That was her words. Uh, what we're seeing is uh, corporations going woke, um, pushing agendas on all types of issues. They're pushing these ESG policies, uh, environmental social governance. So these corporations have to match these ESG uh, qualities in order to get funding. So if you want to sell your products, if you want financing, then you have to comply with this. But these are disastrous policies for a bunch of reasons. First of all, the first reason right off the bat is because central planning always fails. You cannot control an economy top down. It doesn't work. It's been tried over and over and over for the last 100 years. It's failed miserably every single time, 100% of the time. And it will never work because a group of people do not have the information that collectively a market has, all right? It doesn't work. It, it can't ever work. But this is happening more and more and more. But uh, as, as, as uh, scary as this is, because they're wielding a lot of weight, we're seeing firms like BlackRock wield their weight. The largest asset manager in the world is forcing companies to chain, you know, to go woke, to push these ESG agendas. And so that's scary. But what I'm happy about is we're seeing the tide shift. The pendulum is swinging back. And so what am I talking about? Well, uh, we saw some uh, big news this week that I was uh, uh, pretty happy about, and it was about BlackRock. Uh, now, first of all, if you don't know who BlackRock is, then you've been living under a rock, I suppose. <laughs> uh, no pun intended, BlackRock. Uh, but BlackRock is, like I said, the largest money, mass, ma money manager in the world, and they are using that money to weaponize it against you. As a matter of fact, they are endangering U.S. prosperity and national security, per an article that I'm, I'm reading here that came out on The Federalist. BlackRock is a big, powerful company that most Americans know little about. It manages almost $10 trillion. That number is bigger now. Um, and the vast majority of its investing is done passively. So BlackRock manages money for large institutions and pensions. If you have a pension um, or like a 401k, then it's a good chance you have your money with BlackRock. Just about everything, uh, I'm sorry, just about everyone um, has or knows someone who has money directly or indirectly in BlackRock. They're that big. And so because of that, they wield enormous power. And uh, even though they're not the owner of the money, they're managing it on behalf of their clients. But they get the vote, they can vote on those shares they buy on behalf of their clients. So you have your money in an in a index fund, in a 401k, in a pension, and that pension is now given to BlackRock so BlackRock can manage it. So it's not their money that they wield all the power with, it's yours. But they have it because you've given it to them passively. And they use it to ex exhort, uh, exert crazy amounts of influence over corporate management, like, for example, Exxon, Microsoft, etc. Now, what they do is they push for these left-wing po political priorities. I hate to use left or right. They're pushing for ESG policies. They're pushing for woke policies, whatever side you want to call that on. Um, in 2021 alone, BlackRock opposed the re-election of 800 company directors. They took over Exxon's board, and they stopped Exxon from drilling for new oil projects, an oil company. Interesting. 
They removed board governors and installed new members, despite the globe objectively being underinvested in energy. So at a time when we don't have enough energy, they took over Exxon and made Exxon stop drilling for oil. Seems like it goes against yours and my best interest. I would like oil to be cheaper. If oil goes cheaper, everything goes cheaper, but not to BlackRock. Uh, BlackRock contributes to the economy's mo monopoly problem. Um, BlackRock is, the, is a prominent cause of the unprecedented rise in housing prices. They've killed the dreams of so many Americans um, to own homes because they buy up chunks of single-family homes, purchasing large chunks of homes, paying over 35% asking price because they have the ability to have all that money. I can keep going on and on about uh, BlackRock, but you get the point. What I'm happy about is I saw just this week that Louisiana hits BlackRock with a massive multi-million multi dollar divestment for, quote, blatantly anti-fossil fuel policies. So Louisiana State Treasurer John Schroeder announced that his state will divest. That means they're going to take all their money away. We're done with you. We're not going to give you our money to weaponize against us anymore. We're going to take our money back. Forget you. They're divesting their funds. Uh, from BlackRock due to environmental, social, and governance, ESG policies, and, and, and some claim boycott the oil, gas, and coal industries. Uh, Schroeder said, quote, in a letter, your blatantly anti-fossil fuel policies would destroy Louisiana's economy. Why would we give you our money? So uh, in, in the state, uh, our pensioners, our retirees, we're going to give you money that you're going to use to push policies that will destroy us? Why would I give you money that you're going to weaponize against me to destroy me? makes no sense. And I would ask everybody listening right now to ask themselves that very same question. If you have any money at all that somehow gets back to uh, BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street, you need to think about getting that money out, pressuring whoever's in control of that money to get that money out. To avoid losing state money, quote, to the detriment of our citizens, the Louisiana Treasury will gradually pull money away from the financial firm. Uh, once complete, this divestment will reflect almost $1 billion no longer entangled in BlackRock money market funds, uh, mutual funds, or exchange-traded funds ETFs, according to the letter. The letter took direct aim at ESG, an investing practice that penalizes industries believed to be harming the environment, but ESG's environmental considerations are often made at the expense of other fiduciary duties. Fiduciary duties. So the goal of a president, the fiduciary duty, legally binding, the role of a, of a, of a board or a CEO or um, BlackRock, who now takes these board seats, should be a fiduciary duty to make the company more profitable, basically more profitable. Anything they do that is not making them more profitable breaks their fiduciary duty. That's a legal problem. I would like to see them, instead of just pulling money out, why not file a lawsuit against them, right? You're not doing what's in best interest of the company. You are purposely, I mean, you took over Exxon and made them stop drilling for oil. I mean, they're an oil company. Uh, so they're saying that uh, they do it at the expense of the fiduciary duties. Investment firms that use ESG investing practices often refer to, quote, stakeholder capitalism, as BlackRock does on its website. So, um, you know, I'm scared. I'm worried. I don't like seeing this happen, but I'm encouraged by people are waking up and they're actually doing something. And my hope is that this will bring more attention to what BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street are doing. More people will pull their money away. If enough people pull their money away, they're going to be forced to change. Hit them where, your po where their pocketbook is. You vote with your money. Pull your money out. If enough people pull their money out, BlackRock might go, shoot, <laughs> maybe we should uh, reverse course on these stupid decisions that we're doing. Uh, at least that's my hope. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the way the world is changing through the 
decentralized revolution, and we're seeing it happen in real time. I got a lot more to cover when I come back. I'm going to take a quick break. You don't want to miss it, so don't go away. I'm going to be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing right before our very eyes through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And... 
they all three, they all work together. I like to focus on the intersection of those three. But if we look at the finance, um, we can see the, the financial world is melting down right before our very eyes. The Federal Reserve doesn't want to know what to do. Central banks around the world are blowing up. Uh, the Bank of England just had to bail out the UK's pension funds. Um, it's getting real out there. Let's, let's just say that. Now, as bad as things have been getting, and we, we, there's been numerous polls done by uh, University of Michigan, which does some of the best polls out there, that show that consumer sentiment is like at its worst ever. As a matter of fact, um, they've been doing polls, not just on consumers, but they've been doing polls on, uh, on businesses and global CEOs, et cetera. And it's been bad. As a matter of fact, uh, some crazy numbers were like, um, you know, 50% of small businesses expected uh, laying people off over the next 12 months. 65% um, of small businesses in the transportation sector were behind on their, on their rent payments. I mean, it's been bad out there, but it seems like the tide is shifting a little bit. Why is the tide shifting? Well, the tide is shifting, at least in the sentiment side. I'm going to tell you about that. And then I'm going to tell you why I think the sentiment is shifting and why it's, why it's shifting for me. And maybe it could be shifting for you. Now, the world is uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen. All we can do is see what is happening, what's going to happen. And we try to draw some conclusions off that. So bear with me. Let's, let's take a walk through that. So uh, this report came out this week that global CEOs expect impending recession to be short and sharp quote, poll shows. So uh, global CEOs expect the, uh, the anticipated recession. So they're anticipating a recession. Um, I mean, you know, the Biden administration changed the definition of a, of a, of a recession. So maybe, maybe we won't have one in the classical sense any, anyway, or in the technical definition, they would say. Uh, but global CEOs are anticipating a recession in the next 12 months, but more than half of them anticipate it will be, like I said, quote, mild and short. Um, but these business leaders have all expressed more confidence since the start of the year that there will be growth prospects in the next three years. So it's interesting. So think about that. So about half of them expect that there's going to be a recession if, if we're not already in one. I mean, we've had two quarters of negative GDP growth, uh, but they expect it will have one, but it's going to be mild and short. And then, if it's short, then that means we'll start growing again on the other side of the recession, which is why they say they see big prospects for growth in the next three years, which is pretty interesting. Now, this kind of aligns with what I'm thinking. I'm going to talk about what I'm thinking in a little bit. But this is a majority of the 1,300 chief executives polled by KPMG. KPMG is what's called one of the big four. There's big four accounting firms, uh, global international accounting firms that go in and you know look at the books and certify the numbers and things like that. So KPMG is the big dog. So uh, their polls are with kind of the who's who of these chief executives. So majority of 1,300 chief executives polled by KPMG between July and August warned, however, that increased disruptions, such as a recession, uh, could make it difficult for their businesses to rebound from the pandemic. But that, that being said, the CEOs expressed more optimism compared to the start of the year. So at the start of the year, um, again, as I was referenced some of these surveys, sentiment was at a record low. All these businesses thought they would have to lay off all these people. But now it's rebounded, right? It's rebounded. It says here, uh, more, expressed more optimism compared to the start of the year and said there would be growth prospects in the next three years. Why? Why is the sentiment shifting? It's an interesting question that I'm going to answer for you. Don't worry. But it's an interesting question because all the signs show that things are getting worse. 
I mean, like I said, the U- the Bank of England just had to bail out the UK pensions. Uh, we just had the the Nord Stream pipeline blow up. I mean, there's no more oil going from uh, Russia to to Germany anymore, or gas. Things are getting worse. Germany has tried to stockpile uh, natural gas supplies, but they their reserves are only going to get them about thirty percent of what they need for the winter. That's a seventy percent reduction. So the factories are shutting down. They're deindustrializing. If you deindustrialize, if you shut your factories down, if you don't produce goods, what happens? You have no exports. If, if you have no export, what happens? You have no tax rates. If you have no tax rates, what happens? You go broke. You default. So in the light of this, we got the Credit Suisse is about to default. Their CD, the credit default swaps are going through the roof. We got Japan is now, you know, buying more of their own uh, bonds than they've ever done. Um, they're about to implode. We got nuclear war that's about to happen on both sides of the world, you know, from Russia, Ukraine, over there, China, Taiwan. We got new- <laughs> North Korea's firing, firing missiles over Japan. So why are they more optimistic compared to the start of the year? Um, it says that CEOs worldwide are displaying greater confidence, grit, and tenacity in writing out the short-term economic impacts to their businesses as seen in their rising confidence in the global economy and their optimism over a three-year horizon. Um, globally, CEOs are viewing mergers, acquisitions, and innovation favorably, taking a much sharper pencil to the numbers and focus on value creation to unlock and track deal value. There is one thing they're worried about here, and they're worried about pandemic fatigue, where they're worried about one of their biggest challenges, they say, as a recession, as a business leader, remain under pressure to meet their broader social responsibilities, uh, their ESG scores. That's what they're worried about. So these onerous regulations that have been put on them to meet these ESG scores, they said that's one of their biggest challenges that they have. They remain under pressure to meet their broader social responsibilities, quote. So even with, the, even with that changing, even with those, these onerous ESG things uh, breathing down their neck, they still have shifted from being very scared and worried in the beginning of the year to now being optimistic. What happened? Because like I said, the world, the world looks bad. Well, what happened is things have gotten so bad so fast that we know we're going to have to come on the other side of it at some point soon. And so we're seeing that. We saw, like I said, we saw the, everyone talks about this, uh, the Fed, when will they pivot? So the Fed was increasing the money supply for the last decade, last dozen years, and things have exploded, right? The economy has exploded. The markets have gone up. Uh, Your real estate, your Bitcoin, your stock, everything's gone up. It's been great. And now they take the punch bowl away. Now they decrease the money supply, and now everything starts shrinking. So everyone's like, well, when will they start increasing the money supply again? Give me some more of that. Ah, Give me some more of that hopium. I need some more of that that money, right? Everybody wants that. When will they come back with that? Well, the Fed says they won't because, um, you know, they have to fight inflation. So when inflation comes back down, they'll, they'll bring the money supply back, supposedly, right? But what if they bring it back sooner? That's what is bringing the hope back. In my opinion, that's what's bringing the hope back. Why? Well, we saw the Bank of England, like I think it's the fifth largest central bank in the world, capitulated. They had to pivot. Okay, fine. We can't tighten. We can't tighten the monetary supply. We're done. Let's just go ahead and blow it back up. When they did it, it all of a sudden said, wait a minute. Other central banks are probably going to do it next as well. So we did. We saw the RSA in Australia. They pivoted. The ECB is about to be forced to pivot, and eventually the Fed will be forced to pivot sooner than later because things are so bad. Uh, we saw this week that the UN, the United Nations, came out, and they demand, they demand, big word, 
demand all central banks to stop rate hikes. Stop tightening. Stop tightening, they said. Uh, the UN agency dealing with global trade demanding all central banks stop rate hikes. They argue policymakers appear to be hoping that a short-term monetary shock along the lines, if not the same magnitude as that pursued by Paul Volcker, will be sufficient to anchor inflationary expectations without triggering a recession. So they say if you can if you can restrict them enough, it's going to create that. But that's not the case. And so we know that it's only a matter of time, and that time has been escalated. So they're saying if there's a recession, it's going to be short and temporary. Why? Because even if there's a dip, the Fed will be forced to act sooner than later, and boom, blow things back up sky high. That's what's happening. And, and the Fed's saying, no, 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 we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to. But we're all sitting back going, yeah, right, you have to. You, you just have to. Now, you can decide to, to, to bankrupt the entire world, but they, they just won't do that. Uh, the chance of them doing that is single digits probability, in my opinion. So um, that's why business leaders are more hopeful. And that's why I'm more hopeful. I see what's happening. Hopefully, you're more hopeful. Hit me up on social media. Let me know. One Mark Moss. Um, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the way the world is changing from centralization to decentralization. It's breaking apart right before our very eyes. And we're going through it play by play by play. I got a lot more to cover. Don't go away. I'll be right back. It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com slash Mark Moss. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Doc Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Hello, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show. We are talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing right now. Of course, we're talking about it from the play-by-play, what's happening. So much goes on every single week. It's important that you tune in and you pay attention. Otherwise, you are going to be caught off guard. And while things look dark and scary, and they are, I remain hopeful. And I believe we are all going to make it. We're all going to be okay if we play this properly, if we navigate this correctly. And in order to do that, you got to keep your eyes open. You got to be paying attention, which is why you got to be tuning in with me each and every week. And if you miss a week, that's okay. It's okay. You can catch it up on the podcast. Just search Mark Moss um, Show on your favorite podcast player. Imagine you were driving a, um, let's say that you were like in a, in a rowboat and you're going super slow and you're in the middle of a, of a lake and you, you close your eyes while you're rowing for a minute. No big deal, right? I mean, you're barely going. You're in a lake. I mean, there's no boats around. No big deal. Now, let's say you're driving a Ferrari down the five freeway in California with uh, doing 100 miles an hour with a blindfold on. That'd be pretty dangerous. And that's exactly where we're at. We are escalating. The world is escalating um, in, a, in, the more, in the most dangerous situation at a, at a rapid uh, pace, more than I've probably seen any time in my lifetime. Um, and I study history, and, and uh, we're definitely up there in, in terms of historical rankings. And so you don't want to be with a blindfold on like you're rowing a boat. We are in a Lamborghini on the Fry Freeway in massive danger, and we're going fast, and you need to be paying attention so you can navigate appropriately. So, and if not, you're going to get caught off guard. Like in the UK, they just got caught off guard. All the pensioners almost lost everything. The Bank of England stepped in and bailed them out, um, if they didn't, it would have been really bad for some people. Eventually, someone's going to be left holding the bag, and it depends on where you're at in the world. So what we saw when that happened is uh, in the UK, the British pound, which is their currency over there, the British pound was just plunging. It was falling super fast against the dollar, which means um, it was inflation. Like Things were getting harder. It was getting more and more and more expensive. So what happened? The people in the UK tried to get out of their falling currency as fast as they could. So they were trying to dump their pound sterlings as quick as they could into what? What would they go into? Well, they were buying Bitcoin and they were buying gold. As a matter of fact, um, in the UK, physical gold got exhausted. There was none available. They went and bought as much as they could. You couldn't get any more. I like a there's, a, there's a saying I use all the time. It's uh, dig your well before you're thirsty. So most people are like, ah, I don't need to dig a well right now. You know, I'm not thirsty. 
But when you're eventually thirsty and need to go dig the well, you don't have enough time. Like you need water right now. And the same is true like in, in this situation where all of a sudden all these people want to go get gold, but there was no gold left. All these people want to go buy Bitcoin and you can still buy Bitcoin, but the price of Bitcoin has been going up. Now, that's, a, that's an extreme example. If you're in the United States, do you have to deal with that? Well, maybe, maybe not. But again, do you want to dig your well before you're thirsty? A more extreme example is what's going on in Lebanon. So Lebanon has been under massive problems. Um, their currency, again, has been hyperinflating. And it's caused massive problems. As a matter of fact, we saw this week that uh, they've been plunged into darkness. Lebanon's political and economic crisis has plunged the country into darkness. Um, it desperately needs fuel. It needs energy. It needs gas and oil. Turns out the still world, the, the, still the world needs a lot of that and it can't get it. Some are experiencing power cuts of 20 hours a day. Hospitals have to cut back on essential services. Motorists wait hours and hours and hours just to get a little bit of gas. That's a big deal. But it's even worse than that. The banks don't have any money. And so now we've seen more than a dozen banks have been raided in Lebanon this year by customers demanding to take out their own money. Armed robbers are breaking in with guns, holding bank staff at gunpoint to rob the bank of their own money. <laughs> that's, what it's, that's, what, that's what it's come down to. On Tuesday, even a member of parliament and a retired diplomat staged sit-ins at bank branches. Lebanon's facing a devastating financial crisis and banks have enforced tight withdrawing restrictions. Uh, the BBC's Rachel Thorne has spoken to one woman who stormed a bank with a toy gun to take out $13,000 of her family's cash. They're literally having to <laughs> do armed robbery to banks to get their own money. That's an extreme example. The UK wasn't quite as bad. And of course, in the United States, we're not quite seeing that either. But do you want to wait until you get to the point that it takes guns to go into a bank to get your own money out? Is that what you want to wait? Or do you want to dig your well before you're thirsty? Well, um, I'll leave that up to you. You can decide what you want to do there. But uh, I like to dig my well before I'm thirsty. Right? I don't want to wait. And what we're seeing is this battle coming to a head here. So um, at a time when the, it seems that the markets are going to crash, real estate's going to crash, stock markets are going to crash. As a matter of fact, uh, the NASDAQ, the Dow, they've all been plunging. Bitcoin's been holding pretty strong. And Bitcoin has been holding strong because of supply and demand. <laughs> I was going to pause, see if your brain could put the put the put a fill in the blank. Uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, psychologically, anytime you're asked a question, uh, you automatically have to answer it, uh, even if in your own head. Um, if I asked you a question, would you answer it? See, you answered it in your head. <laughs> but Bitcoin has been rising. As a matter of fact, it is uh, pretty pretty well holding up this uh, 20,000 level. Um, it's up, uh, I mean, it's not up a lot. It's up about 10% in the last couple of days since all of this trouble, in the last week or so, since all this trouble really started to take effect because people are starting to realize, like, I need another option. I can't get stuck in this currency that's like this sinking ship. I need to get off into one of these life rafts while there's still a life raft. If we're on the Titanic, there's not enough life rafts to go around. Now, they say women and children go first. Um, the monetary system doesn't necessarily discriminate like that. So 
whoever gets out first has the advantage. And so in the UK, they're doing that. In Lebanon, they sure as heck wish they would have done that. In other parts of the world that are experiencing double and triple digit inflation, uh, they are certainly doing that. As a matter of fact, I think I covered last week in uh, sub-Saharan Africa, uh, they make up 80% of all Bitcoin transactions under $1,000. So they're actually using it for real-world use cases. 80% of all transactions under $1,000 is pretty big. But of course, the, the governments, the powers that be, the central bankers do not want you to have lifeboats. If they had it their way, they would burn all the life rafts on the ship. So you can't get off of it. Now, this is not hypothetical. They've said as much. As a matter of fact, Christine Lagarde, uh, head of the ECB, formerly with the IMF, who is a convicted criminal, I'll have you, uh, I'll leave you to, to know as well. But now she's at the European Central Bank, and she says we have to close off the exits. They want to keep everybody trapped in, and they want to roll out their central bank digital currency. So if we can get you to convert from your dollar you have now into a central bank digital currency, then we can control what you can and cannot buy with it. We can just say you can't buy steak, you can't buy gas, you can't buy gold, you can't buy Bitcoin, you have no exit. You can't buy real estate, you have no exit. You can't buy stocks, you have no exit. Now, uh, a lot of people understand how bad, how dangerous this could be. And we saw this week Republican lawmakers who oppose a Fed-issued CBDC ask the just ask for the Justice Department's assessment. So uh, President Biden put an executive order in place for cryptocurrency, he wants to learn how to regulate it, he wants to have all these he's a he's a freaking dictator man i'm just gonna call it like it is that's what an executive order is no due process i don't care what anybody says i'm doing it by executive order so he passes the executive order to regulate cryptocurrencies but and to push the cbdc's republican lawmakers on the house financial services committee have asked u.s attorney general merrick garland to share justice department's assessment on whether the federal reserve has the necessary authority to issue a central bank digital currency why why wouldn't they well as you may know Congress has authority over coining money, and it's exclusive. The Supreme Court has already recognized Congress's power to coin money and regulate the value thereof, confirming Congress's authority to regulate each phase of currency, not the Federal Reserve. The Supreme Court has upheld that Congress has the ability, not the Federal Reserve. This is going to be an important case. It's going to be something to watch, keep our eye on. Of course, they want to close off the exits. They want to keep you trapped in like Lebanon did. But you have a chance to get out now before it's closed. So you better be paying attention. Listen to the Mark Moss Show, helping you navigate the decentralized revolution as it's changing. We covered a lot today. Hopefully that was helpful. And uh, that's what I got. Thanks so much for listening. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.
Welcome. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.